this is going to be an extra special plant power podcast. I'm, I'm so excited. Uh, my people from Cureleaf, and they've been my people for a while, they hit me up and they said, would you like to interview Fat Five Freddy? That's where it stops. Yes, absolutely done deal. I wouldn't have done it for free, but don't tell them that. But in the meantime, we have the man right now, Be Noble, okay? The story is ridiculous. Two joints, 13 years. Let's hear from the man himself. Be Noble, how you doing, brother? Good, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Happy to be here. Thanks for the invite. No doubt. Well, right. first of all, we have Fab Five. Freddy's gonna be come, coming on afterwards. Uh, uh, first of all, let's talk about your situation. 13 years in jail. Why were you in jail for that long? Um, well, technically, they uh, in New Orleans, we have a 10-year cleansing period before you, I guess, before you could get into any other type of criminal activities. I had nine years and six months clean. They took the six months and, uh, like, in a sport game, they used it as technicality, mm -hmm. and they pinned on me like I learned nothing. They uh, got me in court and said I was, uh, like, a person that had a flagrant uh understanding towards justice and uh i was convicted in like a matter of about an hour's time uh and that was just round one that was for two joints by the way yeah so it was it could have been the, they say mm -hmm. it was equivalent of two equivalent of two joints. yeah but where i come from bro <laughs> but a half a joint yeah definitely <laughs> no and and the that. people i knew at that time man we was gonna put it in a cigar and just smoke it, but if we would have made it that far, we'd have had to cut it. No doubt so in the cats that it actually belonged to, try to come and help me out, but it didn't work. So they took my pads from uh, running the streets before anything. You mm -hmm. know, I I was using drugs. I was I was a user, no doubt. And they took that and they collaborated. I you know with them six months. And he took me out the game for that. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, Cure Leaf is doing a wonderful thing and helping up, helping out people like uh, Mr. Bernard Noble. And I can believe ten percent of the proceeds are going to go towards people like Bernard who who need help. Uh, and so, for a person like yourself who was behind bars, probably pondering life for a long, long time, what happened? How did it happen to where Fab Five Freddy became part of this and he got be involved in a movement? So it's, it's, it's still a mystery to me, you know, I was always optimistic about shit. And um, one day he, his, his name came across the, the rail mm -hmm. with being interested in my case. So uh, I got really excited because he didn't know me, but I, I knew of him sure. just from messing with that TV. Mm -hmm. So uh, when he got the chance to meet me, we talked, he, he explained, you know, he didn't know if I was a cat from hell. Mm -hmm. He just, he wanted to meet me. And when we met, it was instant, you know, and from there we, we collabed on, we stayed in contact after mm -hmm. I got out of prison. So we talked about doing a collab on documentaries mm -hmm. and designs on the brain and we stayed in contact and, and it, we connected like that and it's, 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 it's been up ever since. It's beautiful. And now yeah. for a person like yourself who spent that much time in jail for a plant, we all know how ridiculous it yeah. is. For you to see where the plant has come from that point and you have people driving down the street. I drive down right. the street in my past <laughs> 15 dispensaries along the way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, does that make you smile? Or does that make you sick to your stomach from the hypocrisy of the whole thing? Nah, that was the that was the plan from the start. So, bro, honestly, you know, to everybody, it's 
I was I was a sacrifice. I feel good about it that I made some kind of you know progress. Sure, it, it's absolutely. not a lot, but it was brutal for me. But it was progress. Mm -hmm. It was something that had to be done. I had to learn that along the way in mm -hmm. jail. I accepted it. Sure, you know, as spiritual, you know, just as like physical. Mm -hmm. uh, and I come from a rough place. So after I came out, I knew that was the plan to, to make me upset to come back. Sure. That's where you get that recidivism thing. Now, you recidivism, know. is that even a thing? That's a word that they I, call that's out. A, that's a word that I, I get to screaming and hollering yeah, right now. Like, lying. what do that mean? I don't think it means anything. You know, and, and that's, that's another trickery that the system got, a bunch mm -hmm. of manipulation. Sure. It's bullshit because I hate for people to talk to me mm -hmm. and and tell me things like uh, what they be trying to do is softly. And he say, you think you, because you did what you did, mm -hmm. you they should have laid you down like sure. that. And mm -hmm. I flip all the way out sometimes. All the way. I get you it. You know, it's worse than when I wasn't in front of all of this type mm -hmm. of shit and went for a job. I got called uh, a felon. You know, and I still I hate that word, bro. I hate you it know, too because you know, the same people that are calling you felons are driving down the street to go to Cura Leaf yeah, now. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So I, I feel good about the progress. I'm not bitter. Oh uh, God, I'm around some good people. Good for you. I'm super happy. You're blessed. Uh, I'm blessed, mm -hmm. and I just accept my mission. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm I'm ready to keep it going. Now, where do you go from here with cannabis? Obviously, you're, you're an advocate yeah. for cannabis. Way back in the day, they threw you in the pen yeah. for, the, for cannabis. Yeah. You, you, you're still embracing it, obviously. Yeah, that's the exciting part. You yeah. know, the plan that they had for trying to treat me like a piece of shit for mm -hmm. a little, you know, now I get to do it. I mm -hmm. get to educate. And uh, I get to have a lot of fun now. So sure. uh, that's going to be the the best thing for me no I doubt. get I get a chance to donate proceeds to organizations that help me out and uh get to advocate and educate a little bit mm -hmm. people want to hear about my horror story no doubt you know so I'm I'm fine with that and uh I'm the education piece now so I take it like that and keep going. Well, you seem to be good people to me. Yeah. Um, and you, there's murderers walking around the street. Yeah. And they putting people in jail for, I was, for a plant. Yeah, I was in jail like I was talking about earlier. I was in jail with cats that was married. Yeah. And after his wife have a baby, mm -hmm. he have sex with his own litter and have a baby. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they uh, give him four or five years at a time. And I got involved one day. Uh, they put me in the room with these cats mm -hmm. and he was crying. I just, I jumped up and I just whopped him. Really? Yeah. I attacked him because that's that's the uniform you have to have in prison. When you something, very little thing you don't like, if you speak to me, you get attacked. So he was complaining about four years. Here I am sitting in here for something that, you know, and he crying. Yeah, right. And so I just jumped up. I was stressed. You ain't messing around. Everybody fucked over me on the yeah, streets. Man. It was dark. It was getting dark in there. I can My see heart it. was getting. I can see vicious. it, brother. And I just got up one day, and he was talking about that shit like mm -hmm. it was a cakewalk. And he only had four years, and he was stressing. Mm -hmm. And I, I always had my little setup so I could knock your ass That's out. it. And I went to my setup, and I just hit him. You gotta do he what didn't you gotta, know. You got to do what you got to do, bro. I just struck him because of my own problems, mm -hmm. and he whining about something. Well, he actually hurt somebody. 
and For I real. ain't do nobody shit. Unbelievable. So I took that pressure out on mm -hmm. him, and it's how I'm able to be here today, because that's no how they, you know, but I didn't take it out with me. I left that shit in. No doubt. But there's got to be yeah. stuff pent up while you're in there, and I just couldn't imagine. Well, Bernard, you seem like wonderful people, dog. You hooked up with wonderful people with yeah. Fat Five Freddy and Your oh, Relief, yeah. and anybody wants to, you know, represent this and this is the beautiful thing go hang out at cure leaf uh get the be noble yeah okay. rolls and, and represent now we're gonna bring in the wonderful five five freddy so nobody go anywhere yeah appreciate thank you brother thanks you're, for you're the real invite, brother bro. now don't yeah. be back don't, don't don't go anywhere we'll be back with five five <laughs> freddy we'll be back yeah Welcome back to Plant Power Podcast. So like I said earlier, this is such a pleasure to sit down and talk to this young man. He is basically my childhood, okay? And when you talk about what people excel at, and I'm, look, I'm looking at things right here when you talk about graffiti, street life, hip-hop culture, of being a musical artist, influencing other musical artists, being a collaborator, being a director, acting in iconic movies, uh, being a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, a cannabis activist, blah, blah, blah. Mr. Fab Five Freddy, brother, it is quite the honor. Thank yes. you, sir. Thank you. It's good to be here. No doubt. Thank I'm you. not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, I thought, I thought you were an, an addendum to it. They said, I, I did read that. Okay. Did they well, do me wrong? Shit, but well, I got to check I tell that you out. What, I mean, if, you, if you are in it, they didn't, they didn't <laughs> invite you. If there was an award, <laughs> somebody must have got it. <laughs> you ain't lying, but you deserve you deserve to be Thanks, in there. So no nice to be here it. with you, though, by the way. Thank you, I brother. I love the vibe in this whole studio. I appreciate the, you. The velvet paintings, everything is crazy. No it's doubt. So cool up in here. So, listen, when you were a young Frederick Brathwaite, mm -hmm. you know, hanging out there in, in, in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, mm -hmm. was there any way you could imagine being an icon in all of those categories? That's That's a little bit much. Wow. Yeah. Not at all. I mean, you know, just trying to do my thing, stay out mm -hmm. of trouble, you know, create some stuff. You know, I'm just a serial creative mm -hmm. um, and just blessed to connected with some good people, made some moves along the way, you know. If somebody asks you what you do, I well, think that'd be hard for you to explain. No, not at all. I'm, I'm pretty much, I mean, I've, I have dabbled in different um, areas, but primarily it's been visual art and filmmaking. Okay. It's been my main creative output. And I kind of ended up doing some things in front of the camera, like uh, Namely, which, you know, a lot of people connected with a TV show on MTV, Your MTV Raps. And then I've made a bunch of cameos in films just because a lot of friends are filmmakers. And like, hey, Fab, do a little moment of sure. a scene. So a long string of cameos. But pretty much I make art and I've been involved in making film, you know, and that's what led me to being involved in this cannabis business. Unbelievable. Yeah. Now, I, I was on a radio show, Mike Calter's show. It's, a, it's the most popular show in the Tampa area. And I said to him before the break, I'm going to be interview, interviewing the most influential name in hip-hop history. And mm. they all looked at me, and I said, let's, let's, well, I'll tell you who it is on, during the break. Mm. So I said Fab Five Brady, and I've said this to about a dozen people, and nobody has given me even a name that is bigger than your name hmm. in the in the lore of hip hop. Now, are you are you are you going to accept that? Because if you talk about the whole grand scheme of thing in hip hop, mm -hmm. to me, you're number one. Wow. Well, thank you so much. No. I mean, this is crazy. But um, yeah. Wow. How, how did this? How did that start? How did that start? Once again, you're on the streets, mm -hmm. and you. If once again, if you look back. 
you didn't start hip hop, but I'll be darned if you do any documentary without your name in it. Yeah, well, you know, I was really interested in what became hip hop even before that, just following local DJs in the streets of Brooklyn when mm -hmm. I was a kid coming up. A lot of it started with these, once again, mobile DJs that pretty much played disco, soul, funk, mm -hmm. before disco became a really big thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what inspired what became known as hip hop, which then later, um, when I heard about something different going on up in the Bronx than what the other kind of mobile DJs were playing, I got really curious about it. Sure. And then when I got a, I saw early on what was being made, I thought that was incredible. And um, it was just, I thought, well, a movie about it all would be good. So that's one of the first things I did that I think had a significant impact. I had the idea to make a film, which becomes the first film on hip hop. Sure. It's a film called Wild Style. Mm -hmm. um, and that is, the idea was to connect the breakdancing, the, uh, the rap music, the graffiti art and the DJing, like mm -hmm. as one thing. Yep. And the film uh, kind of worked. I ended up being in it. That wasn't a plan. And so that that's kinda, what you say. That's yeah. what you say. Yeah, it was like the last minute. There was like one character that mm -hmm. had me. I was totally cool to play the play the background, but that things got altered mm -hmm. along the way. So, what well, to, to me when added. I looked at somebody that you would be compared to in the industry, the only name that came to mind was Rick Rubin. Okay, and I know you hmm. you know Rick Rubin personally. Yeah, yeah. I was around Rick when he first hit. When him and Russell created Def Jam, sure. absolutely. Mm -hmm. But you dig, you dig deeper than Rick Rubin. Mm -hmm. And would you say you're just, um, you're just, you're just an artist, and you and you know what looks good? Well, you know, that's at the core of what I've done is mm -hmm. you know that, and um, and I've just been really fortunate. I guess the instincts have been good. There's certain things that I've been connected to that have actually, you know, turned into something and sure, developed absolutely. stuff. So, like, once again, when Rick Rubin made his first record with Russell, It's Yours for, for T. LaRock, mm -hmm. like, I was in the mix. I had already been, because Wild Style came out first. Sure. So when Russell Simmons and Rick and those guys were all coming to the downtown scene, which is where I already was, mm -hmm. we just all met, and we were all trying to figure stuff out. Sure. This is really pretty much all it is, but... Um, um, I've been really fortunate and really blessed. You know, I continue to remain curious um, and have been able to continue to, you know, do some things that have... Uh, actually, I'm actually doing a podcast that just begun on the uh, 50 Years of Hip Hop. Really? So, um, yeah, I'm going to be doing that. It's uh, telling some of these stories mm. from the beginning and how that music thing all came together. Sure. And then, obviously, I'll tell stories of how I got involved, similar to what... Sharon, like really was the movie Wild Style that yeah, just, no doubt. you know, helped lay a foundation. And then that was something that I guess when I got asked to host Yo! and TV Raps, which becomes the first, you know, rap show, they had seen the film and knew also that I had a relationship with Blondie. Sure. Because um, yep. I connected with people on the new wave downtown scene in New York. And they were very supportive of my work. Also, another homie I used to run with Rest in peace, a visual artist. We talked about earlier, Jean-Michel Basquiat. Oh, we were both yeah. connecting at the same time in that same New York scene. Mm -hmm. And Debbie Harry, Chris Don from Blondie were really supportive, brought our work, hired us to do paintings, spray paintings on the music mm -hmm. video sets they were doing. So that's what some of the first stuff I did. And then they make the first kind of hit record that most people first hear rap was yeah. in that song. Yeah. So yeah, it's been some... 
There's some nice highlights. Unbe unbelievable. <laughs> I have my boy Heavy Lyrics, who's, you know, is a big hip-hop artist in this area. Uh, and I said, uh, I told him I'm interviewing you, and I said I told him about Rapture, and he said, what, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. So I put it on, and he just stood there with big, wide eyes. Mm -hmm. He'd never seen it before. And yeah. I'm amazed that, that, that people in the industry, I guess, that's a lot of digging to get back to that, I guess. Well, it is in a, in a sense, but one of the blessings of the time we live in is everything like this, if you get curious, is a few clicks away. Correct. So if you're really mm -hmm. curious about how a lot of this went down, you can click around and mm -hmm. it'll be right there on YouTube and you can get a peek at it and see what's up. Real talk. That's what the smart cats do. There you go. Now, mm -hmm. once again, this uh, podcast is called Plant Power Podcast. So ah, we'd be remiss to not be talking about that beautiful plant, which is cannabis. Yeah. Now, I'm 55 years old uh, and I first smoked cannabis when I was 35 years old. Wow. Now, that's late. Is but that because you were a professional athlete? That's exactly the athlete why. and that's the exactly stigma why. that was created. Yeah. Well, it's uh, not the stigma part. It's just the fact that well, they would have suspended my ass well, and like tested positive. That's even, yeah. And I, it took, I just found it counterproductive uh -huh. when you're smoking this beautiful plant to to chill you out yeah. and everybody's stressed out that they're gonna fail, you know, fail a drug test. You know what I'm saying? So that's a good point. To me, it was good counterproductive, point. and I started smoking. When I was 35. Probably wow. good thing I waited this long because I surely do enjoy it. Yes. Now your exposure was completely different than mine, mm. from what I've seen. Your father uh, grew up, when you were growing up, mm -hmm. your father and all his very influential black friends, yeah. which is good for you to be in, in, involved in that, yeah. were, you said almost cannabis connoisseurs. They spoke they yeah. about cannabis, uh, cannabis almost like everybody talks about wine, you Exactly. Say. That's exactly perfect description of the environment I grew up in. And my dad uh, was close to jazz musicians, a lot of artists, mm -hmm. a lot of activists in the community in Brooklyn. And they were all cannabis aficionados, smoked yep. cannabis daily. And um, yeah, so I tell that story in my film, mm -hmm. uh, which you can see on Netflix, Grass is Greener. Beautiful. Which is a film I made a few years ago that, you know, made a few years ago that um, tells the story of the history of cannabis in America, mm -hmm. its connection to America's music from jazz all the way to hip hop. And then the criminal justice nightmare and how they disproportionately have criminalized uh, people of color and people that are, had have challenged the politics mm -hmm. of the existing governments. And they've used, uh, whip, you know, created this whole uh, nightmare scenario that has criminalized a lot of people like Bernard Noble. Correct. Who, um, to, to tell the story of the criminal justice nightmare, I had to, I picked his, I looked at several cases, but I had seen Bernard's case looked at on a Vice TV show called We The Kid. Yeah, and um, they were interviewing his family. It was really sad. It was really shocking that for two joints worth of cannabis, mm -hmm. he was given a 13 year sentence. It was just insane. So when I was looking at different cases to focus on, I chose to focus on his because it was just so shocking. No doubt. Plus a lot of the history of jazz, which I look at in America, as well as Louis Armstrong, who was a huge cannabis aficionado, huge. all from <laughs> New Orleans. Mm -hmm. So there's so much of the culture in America, music culture, as well as cannabis culture is really de developed in the beginning historically. And the irony that Bernard was given this extreme sentence you know, so a lot of New Orleans is in the movie Grass is Green of y'all. If you haven't seen it, you better pull up on Netflix. Pay your pay your bill. That's what I'm saying. You know and, I, I mean? and I watched it, and uh, I didn't know a lot about Louis Armstrong. And after I watched that uh, documentary, 
uh, Louis Armstrong might be single-handedly responsible for some of these losses because he was smashing white girls back in the day, wasn't he? I don't think Willie Louis Louis was none. That wasn't Louis' thing, but that was the that was those were the lies told by Reefer Harry Anslinger, yeah. Reefer Madness, yeah. that if you smoke this cannabis, your white daughter or whatever is going to want to go sleep with these black right? musicians. Yeah. So don't let this happen. It literally was the undertone of a lot of what motivated the war on drugs. And then in 1937 is when this thing is all criminalized. So. I got immersed in the facts, the history, did serious research, which I share with people in the movie. And Bernard's case was just something like it was a unbelievable, unbelievably shocking. But luckily, he got a parole uh, right after I'd interviewed his family, which is a really emotional moment in the movie. And then we knew we were going to come back, fly back down the film. And that's how I met Bernard, walking out of prison and right away connected sure. and... I was just moved. He's such a cool dude. So many people have been through this nightmare. I got inspired to create sure. a brand that would raise awareness about what Bernard has gone through and what tens of thousands of other people have gone through. And Cure Relief stepped up and said, let's make a deal. Mm -hmm. It was like crazy. And um, the brother by, that was there at the time, Jason White, who was the chief marketing officer, the CMO, uh, said, let's do it. And um, uh, July, uh, July uh, 2021, 20, we hit the shelves, and uh, now we just launched here in Florida, which mm -hmm. is why we're here with you. Mm -hmm. um, we've been in Orlando. It's uh, Cure Leaf has like almost 60 dispensaries yeah, in Florida. Around. They don't mess around. <laughs> and yeah, they don't mess around, mm -hmm. and they're seriously committed. They have these two fire strains um, in Be Noble, mm -hmm. this peanut butter souffle. You got it right here, my brother. And Lady Madonna, you know. <laughs> and it's I got that Like, I'm right telling here. you. You know how they say, if it ain't the choker, it ain't the smoker. There you go. Hey, yo, this is it, This baby, is it. For real. This is that fire. Yeah, we were at the Dignitary Tea and Carver House uh, indulging in some of this a little bit earlier. So yeah. it, is, it is a beautiful thing. Now, you talked about reefer madness and, you know... We look back at the way uh, the stigma of of reefer and uh, the bullshit they were feeding us, and yeah. they're still they're still feeding us bullshit now. Yeah, true, they true, still true. are. Mm -hmm. You remember uh, Wyclef had a song if I was president. Uh, what mm. would you do if you were president? What would you do? Because we all thought Kamala was going to do some stuff, and I ain't heard from Kamala in a while. Yeah, him, uh, Kamala Harris, and Joe Biden ran on decriminalizing yeah. or de. Uh, Sanctioning. The thing is, um, I'm sorry, descheduling. De There's a schedule. It's okay. complete nonsense where they literally have cannabis in the same category yeah. schedule as heroin. Yep. Um, basically saying that they're equal, that they're equal and equivalent. When literally cannabis has killed no one in the history of its use. There's no reported case anybody died from use of this plant that has great medicinal value. So. We're breaking those walls down, but we still have a long way to go. Uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris ran on, on doing this. And hopefully, as they get close to this coming election, um, if they don't make it happen, mm -hmm. it's going to be a problem. You ain't lying about that. It's going to be a it's, problem. It's time. You know? It is time. I mean, at least safe banking so that people that are in cannabis business can move their money around and, and uh, you know, with all the dispensaries now, it's, a, it's pretty much a cash based business. So you're starting to hear um, some people running up and doing some violent acts in dispensaries in, in California and in New York, which has the potential to be bigger 
uh, business-wise in California, mm -hmm. I'm thinking like, like that might bring the mob back you to run up in there that. to you know to mm -hmm. try to touch that cash. Absolutely. So we hoping that they um, step up and at least fix the federal banking. It's all because you know they've got cannabis in this crazy category. Mm -hmm. Now I've you know I love music. Uh, once again, I say you, you. I feel like you're my childhood. Uh, cannabis is new to me. Mm. Uh, I got a chance to like I smoke with some of my former teammates. Warren Sapp is a big, wow. big uh, yes. uh, proponent. Uh, I've hung out Sapp. with but my people in Slayer. You know, you know Slayer. I've hung, oh, the, oh, the rock the, band. The, the rock band. Oh, wow. a, a good friend of mine is good friends with them, so I hung yeah. out with them backstage and yeah. smoke with them. Now I can say I smoke with Fab Five Freddy as yes, well. Indeed. Now I don't know if anybody's going to have a list as good as yours. <laughs> with people they smoke with. Can you give us the top five? I know you smoke with Biggie. Yeah. Pac. Yeah, me Big, yeah Pac, of course, you know, definitely. Shit, Snoop. I mean, mm -hmm. in, it's funny. Bernard always talks about this moment in the movie Grass is Greener, right? Mm -hmm. So Snoop is in the film mm -hmm. a lot. He's really breaking down his cannabis history, sure. telling some stories. And at one point, I'm in Snoop's studio, mm -hmm. and, you know, we vibing. And Snoop is smoking as mm -hmm. he always is. He says, wait, Fab, yeah, yeah, man, you know, of course, you got to hit this. Mm -hmm. And I take a hit, and I, like, cough up a lung. You know, <laughs> like, remember, yep, you know? Yep. And I'm like, and Snoop's like, that's the sound I wanted to hear. That's the sound of the mm -hmm. man smoking. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it was a moment. That's it. But, yeah, like, a lot of people in rap, obviously, uh, cannabis has been one of the mainstays, you know. So Real. I blazed weed with a whole lot of heads, you know what I mean? But, like, Biggie was another one of them um like like nonstop he was like a blunt chain smoker i heard he didn't stop it was Just crazy <laughs> he'd be having little c's and then roll them up and shit yeah. you know yeah it was crazy i heard stories of uh, uh some dude brought two ounces and was hanging out and they he looked over and he saw biggie stuffing it in his pocket oh, they God. said they said biggie was just like yeah. a, 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 a blunt uh, fiend yeah. no, I, I can't even speak to that but 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 biggie definitely was smoking mm. you know another person that i tell a story of in my film is a brother from harlem named branson yeah. who was a cat in the 90s that had a really good cali connection mm -hmm. he's a legacy dude street dealer he was but, the first burner well, that's right. He was kind of a burner yeah. before burner. Mm -hmm. And um, so many uh, rap people at that time, Red Man, Method Man, Biggie, mm -hmm. I mean, along this over 50, 60 records shouted him out, mentioning going mm -hmm. up to Harlem to get that Branson. Yep. And so um, I tell his story in the film, even, you know, play some of the various songs, mm -hmm. which... Uh, give him uh, those props. But yeah, he was one of those cats that had that fire ahead of the curb and uh, sure. a lot of people that knew about Branson. That's mm -hmm. what we was blazing. While a lot of that good hip hop is being made back in the 90s. No doubt. Now yeah. I'm thinking about it, half-baked, uh, my boy said, I want to talk to Samson. He's probably thinking that about it. That was exactly right. That makes That's sense. Exactly that makes sense. See the inspiration. Yeah. That's the film with Dave, Dave Chappelle. Chappelle yeah. Dave Chappelle, yeah. Dave Chappelle, exactly. That's probably the most beautiful. Samson, was it, that was inspired by Absolutely. Harlem's Branson. No tell that whole story in Grass is Greener. So your pops yeah. was in jazz music. Uh, in New York, uh, with Max Roach was your family. Yeah, Max Roach was my godfather. So him and my dad grew up together. Mm -hmm. And 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 when Max blew up as bebop jazz mm -hmm. happened, you know it was a big deal. No doubt. So when my, when Max is playing with people like Miles Davis, Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, yeah, like man. they were all hanging. My pops mm -hmm. got to be in the mix. You know, you knew Miles Davis. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, they were all making music. Like they were homies. Uh, they were all running together. Could have had Miles Davis something hanging out in your house making music. Um, 
not so much making music, yeah. but when he came through Brooklyn, sure. like my dad was one of the people who they got with, and they mm -hmm. would give jazz gigs, which I have photos of, um, and they'd give like gigs, like private gigs, mm -hmm. where you have like Monk and Miles and all these guys playing together when they all had their own separate groups. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. So that's like the, how they would get down and jam, like for the homies, really. Sure, yeah. Went down. If you look up your name. Jean-Michel Jean -Michel Basquiat comes up a lot, okay? It, yeah. it, it seems like you guys are almost linked. Mm -hmm. um, that was your boy yeah. growing up. Uh, I love art. If you walk around this building, yeah, I, yeah. I love art. And I, I said it. to myself a long time ago, I know I'll make it when I have a Basquiat. Now, I don't quite have a Basquiat yet, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. But I have to ask you this. Way back in the day, for... I have to, Way back in the day when Jean-Michel was handing out all these things, mm -hmm. you know you should have gathered up a bunch of those, right? Well, I'm an artist myself. <laughs> so what, you asked me earlier, so what happens with artists when you're friends with other artists? Yeah. You, you, you trade work with each other. And that's pretty much what we all did. Keith Haring, you know. I mean, Jean- So you have Keith Haring and, and Jean-Michel Bach. Yeah, this yeah, is just... what we did with <laughs> your friends. I mean, sometimes you come up, people might have a reason they might need all of a sudden you have this object which could help, you know, get you out of a jam or somebody's sick. There's all kinds of things that have happened with other friends that have had work. Yeah. But some, a lot of folks, I've been able to hold on to a bunch of things. Other friends have. And so the value that has come to Jean's work is an incredible blessing. But the unfortunate thing is sometimes people are so fixated on the numbers, it kind of, it's like a crazy situation when it wasn't really motivated by that. It just, it's not what, what Jean and the rest of right. us and most artists mm -hmm. are running around fixated on. But it is a crazy situation when you understand what the numbers are. So Absolutely. Sometimes you have these objects, you really, it's not really safe to keep them around. You got to move them. Absolutely. Because <laughs> people lose their minds when they yeah. get an idea what the value can be. Well, watching, I've watched, I think I've watched just about everything about Jean-Michel Basquiat. Wow. I mean, it's not, there's not a lot. There really is not a lot okay. out there, okay? There's, mm -hmm. He was only alive for, not alive, but yeah, no, he was, was only popular for but, about seven years or so. Well, he died at 27, so it was sure. a short run, exactly. unfortunately, but he got a lot of work done. That was the main thing. And, exactly. And now, that was the plan, uh, but it has definitely, I'm sure, exceeded expectations. But <laughs> I would say so, yes. Like anything that we attempted to do, we wanted to be trying to be good at it and trying to no find doubt. a way to really hit it and, and hit it effectively. And well, make back, an impact. Back in the day when you guys were into the graffiti, was was Jean-Michel into the graffiti? Yeah, that, that's how Jean started. That's he how he started. Just to tag stuff up. Same old and all this kind of stuff yeah. like that. And he wrote these little cool, little poetic, little catchy, little Learned, phrases yes. that would make mm -hmm. you think. And that was his version, how he did graffiti at a time when we wrote our names all over everything, sure. everywhere. And so... And it seems so elementary... But when you look back at it, it was very profound. It was a lot of his art. When you look at it, if mm -hmm. you if you look at it really quickly, mm -hmm. it looks like a fourth grader drew it. But when they talk about yeah. what he's drawing and what he's getting accomplished, mm -hmm. and I, I've listened to people who are deep into art, mm -hmm. they're talking about how deep it is. Well, when you understand art history, you see like which was the cool thing. One of the things that connected me and him early on was see I used to cut school and go to the museums around New mm -hmm. York on my own. So I got real familiar. Sure. And Jean did the same. Plus his mom had taken, the had taken the museums a lot. So we were both very aware of the idea of being an artist, mm -hmm. art history. And so we both knew about a lot of artists 
um, that we both could talk about. I could, most sure. of my friends I ran with, I couldn't talk to them about Warhol and uh, yeah. Caravaggio that was mentioned <laughs> in the man's song. And Shut I boy. knew about all this stuff at a really young age yeah. and, and understood how to, you know, kind of a little bit about how the art world worked. Mm -hmm. And Jean did as well. That's how we both meet on the downtown scene in New York, trying to make moves mm -hmm. and connecting with people that would then uh, support our work. And Blondie and them mm -hmm. and I talked about was some of those people. Sure. Like, so when you see the Rapture video, mm -hmm. which of course I inspired yeah. and they mentioned me in the song, mm -hmm. you see in the video, I'm in the back doing graffiti yeah. with my man Lee, Jean-Michel is the DJ. Flash didn't believe I knew them. Mm -hmm. No, now he told me, no, that's not the, the real story. Is Sylvia Robinson mm -hmm. that ran Sugar Records told him, don't you go to that video shoot. So Jean-Michel is standing there. So mm -hmm. when you see Debbie begin to rap, mm -hmm. Jean-Michel is standing at the turntable. So we was all, those are- Bro, Can I tell you something? I'm old and I think I've seen that video probably a thousand times. Mm. When I went back to watch <laughs> it, I'm gonna tell I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be as honest as I can. I had no idea that was Jean-Michel Basquiat at the beginning. Yeah, that's I looked I at it and I go, that's mm -hmm. Jean-Michel Basquiat. I didn't know. Yeah, so that whole group of people in that video, those are the people I we were hanging sure. with on the downtown mm -hmm. art scene in New York at that time. Absolutely. That was supporting us and we were all cool. They were musicians sure. and painters and everybody trying to figure out mm -hmm. how to make it happen. I have to, I have to, I have to admit it's something else. This whole time, I thought old boy with the white suit was you. No, a lot of people did, but I, that's why I point out that I'm the guy in the back making a painting. Because I, I was gonna, I was, right, I was no, looking for I questions, right? And I was gonna about to say, <laughs> where'd you get that dance from? Nah. And then I realized but you it, in the back. But here's the story. Now let me give you the full concept mm -hmm. of the video, which a lot of people also don't know. Okay. The idea of what was going on was like a Haitian voodoo ceremony. Um, if you remember, there's these. Black women like dancing oh, yeah, yeah. around with the white outfits dark. on. Yeah. And then this guy with that uh, white suit, that's a character that performs in Haitian voodoo. Okay. So that dance he's doing, that's where. And so Chris Stein, um, who was Debbie's boyfriend, mm. and that was the core of Blondie. Sure. That was his concept. And that's like the beginning of music video being a big, important thing. Mm -hmm. And that was also, this is another reason how I you know, the MTV thing happened. Yeah. That's one of the first videos that MTV played when the whole channel began. Correct. So when they were pitching the guys that produced the show, they were like, yo, and he's in this video. And you know, yeah. they were like, oh, MTV had already played the video. And so they said, let's let's give your MTV raps a shot. That's that's amazing. And, and that that was crazy. Crazy. once again, not a, nothing that I planned, by the way. You didn't start hip hop, but mm -hmm. I would say you almost upstarted it from what I read, okay? Mm -hmm. So you, I mean, it, it, it was going, you didn't upstart it, but you let the world know, know about it. So mm -hmm. it was happening in the boroughs. Mm -hmm. And from what I heard, everybody said Cool Herc started, but they say it was, no, it had, cool Herc it had did, started. Cool Herc, there's a bunch of people that play an sure. important role is mm -hmm. really what it comes down to. And, you know, my role was I introduced some people that did some things, you know. But you brought Blondie to the yeah. set mm -hmm. and then she introduced the world to hip hop music and rapture. No, but people, she introduced people to something that people didn't know what it was. Correct. So later when people uh, understand, mm -hmm. then they go back and understand sure. the pieces of the puzzle. It's amazing when you go back now and look at it because yes. it's, it's, it's a history lesson almost. Yeah, it it, is. It's, am it's amazing. Now, as, as, 
a young brother, I don't dress. I don't dress up often. This is how I dress every day. Mm -hmm. But I, I love me a hat. You know, <laughs> I love some this little, some little fly jewelry, this and that. Uh -huh. I didn't realize it, but I, I think I took a lot of my fashion sense uh, from you. you, you I mean, where did you get your fashion sense from? I, nowhere specific. It's just, you know, what I'm comfortable in. Mm -hmm. But honestly, uh, when I think back, um, I grew up around stylish people, I guess. You know, no some doubt. of my dad's friends and them jazz dudes, was they were always sharp, no matter what they wore. When, no matter what the occasion. Sure. And they were comfortable in what they wore. And I guess some of that rubbed off. Brothers are sharp, though. We know. We, we stay, yeah, no, some we cats stay clean. Can, yeah, some cats can pull it together. Absolutely. So, you know. Yeah. You know, and just be confident and comfortable mm -hmm. in what they do. That confidence that. word. That's 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 very yeah, important. Yeah. So, your MTD raps, okay? I was telling you, playing football back in the day, we used to tape it and then come back and replay it and then wow. play it over and over and over and over. You get royalties from that? Is it being replayed? No, I don't own that. I don't own what? That was, that con that's, you know, the way TV works. You don't own the, the content. But they're, but they're not replaying it anywhere? Actually, so his, it was the problem was with YouTube and everything, we have access to a lot. In the beginning, people didn't cut the videos out. So the music videos and the music, Record labels got that. Don't sure, yeah, don't yeah, even yeah, try that, yeah, or, or yeah. you get shut down. That's right. Yeah. What they figured out how to do was cut the music out and just play the interviews. So you'd have a lot of that on MTV. Me with different people, Tupac, mm -hmm. Snoop, some of the biggest shows, people's most favorites. People post their sure. videos on YouTube. But just recently, um, I think on Paramount Plus, there's a bunch of the old shows. But once again, just the interviews. Oh, uh, okay. But really good stuff, which. Is amazing because you know if your interviews were amazing though, brother. Those yeah, interviews, I mean, you. I went back to look at a few of them. Thanks. Some yeah. of them were, um, they had me on the edge of my seat, and they, they wow. Um, I was trying to think of some of the the NWA one was was diff definitely different. I was going to ask you who's the most outlandish person you interviewed. If it's not Biz Markie, I don't know who it could possibly be. Outlandish? No, not Biz. No. Biz. This was just a, this was just a great showman. So we just had great fun All together. The time, shows yeah. we did, but um, outlandish. Oh boy, that's a shocking. I mean, hmm. Some people look like they're hard to interview. Like, like, I think Pac is an an easy interview. Yeah, Pac loved to talk. You yeah, know, so he was always fun. He, I, but the one of my f most fun interviews or most impactful mm -hmm. interviews I think with Pac is um when I had him on your was I was the first person to get him to talk about his his Black Panther yeah, that's background. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was a time he was in the studio this was before he got with Death Row. Mm -hmm. He was in the studio with Coolio, MC Breed. In fact when you see that at one point in the studio before we go outside and I ask him about the Black Panther mm -hmm. thing, he does this freestyle where he just off the top freestyle mm -hmm. and, and rhymes about everybody in the studio and ends with, you know, throwing me sure, in a rhyme. Yeah, yeah. And then we go, it was so perfect. Um, and then shortly after, about a year or so later, he would he would be with Death Row and that would that was it. all change to mm -hmm. another level. But yeah, so there's been outlandish. Flavor Flav. Flavor Flav is hard to interview. Well, I wouldn't call it outlandish, okay. but difficult. Yes. MC8. Who was a super West Coast gangster? Okay. You know, he would be like Chia. You yeah. know, he would talk that uh -huh. talk in the realest kind of way. Mm -hmm. And he had so much real gang drama mm -hmm. 
that all the cool, we, we must have thought of 10 different locations and because the different sets mm -hmm. in, in different areas, man, I can't be there because yeah. so-and-so, or we oh, can't do real. Crenshaw because of this one. So we literally <laughs> had to go all the way in downtown LA in a remote area and that was the only place he was comfortable because he had real drama with various gangs. Is he still alive, MC8? <laughs> yeah, he definitely still is, yeah. Wow, unbelievable. Yeah. But he's smart. That's why I guess he's still you, alive. You ain't lying. A lot, of, a lot of our brothers go. are gone. A lot of our brothers are gone, unfortunately. unfortunately yeah. what, what do you think about, about hip-hop today? Once again, I, I, I listened to hip-hop from the beginning, okay? Yeah. So, you know, I remember way back, I drove to New York, you know, to get Rapper's Delight. When I was from Montreal, wow. those kind of things like that. Oh, that's right, yeah, you from yeah, Montreal. That's right, and wow. then I, I and I listen to today's music, and I don't dislike it. It doesn't really resonate in my ear. Yeah. But I heard an interview one time with uh, LL Cool J, mm. and the the interviewer said, "Well, I don't really like today's modern music." And LL Cool J said something to me that I couldn't agree with more. He goes, "Isn't that what your father said?" <laughs> he goes, this is just the evolution of music. Mm. We can't expect the music to be the same mm -hmm. as when we were growing up. That's a good point. That's and exactly to that, right. I just said, I, it's, it's about the evolution. Do you like modern music? Some, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I listen to different things. There's things I like. But there was whack records coming out in, in like every period. <laughs> That's true. Like in the beginning of rap, everybody putting out a rap record yep. wasn't dope. It was trash. That's true. That's why I if you listen to early hip-hop and early rappers, mm. um, almost every rapper address this kind of mythical sucker MC. Mm. Sucker, in Run DMC's first song, it's called Sucker MC. Sucker MC where everybody is kind of challenging this whack rapper. Mm -hmm. You a sucker MC and I'm gonna I'm address you. Mm -hmm. And every rapper had a moment to do that. And um, some people feel like those that sucker MC has arrived mm -hmm. lately on the scene. But there was sucker MCs then, mm -hmm. and I think in every era of music. But yeah. I listen to a broad range of everything, so I got broad taste. Um, but there's some new cats, young cats I listen to mm -hmm. doing things. Like, are you hip to Coast Contra? Never See, so these are Coast young Contra. brothers that got that lyrical thing that you would really like. They might give you a little uh, leaders of the new school kind of oh, energy. Oh, boy, okay. I think Raskas, Ross Ross one yep. or two of these cats, I think are his... Um, offspring. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, and they are crazy with it. And so there's a bunch of cats mm. in the new space that got lyrical content. Sure. That's my main thing. And, and then some of the other stuff is just good to play. I don't go to clubs that much, but some of that mm. other Southern type stuff sure. is good to dance to. I was in sports radio forever, and listen, we could, we could ask forever uh, MJ or LeBron, and uh -huh. I just think they're different animals. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, true. Uh, exactly. Like when you talk about Biggie, Pac, I think they're different animals because yeah. I love both of them. Yeah. Uh, I, what other names would you throw in that hat? The other day I heard, who said it? Uh, it, it Jay Z. Mm -hmm. He said Rock Him. He said Rock Him at that time was so far ahead of everybody. Oh no question. You agree? So the way I get down is that I have favorite cast. I've been involved in hip hop so long. Mm -hmm. I have favorites from different eras. Okay. So different as the eras change, a different cat will step up okay. and be strong and dominant for me, symbolic of that era. That's how I look at it. Mm -hmm. So I don't break it down in my top five because it's been so many artists. So in the very beginning, you know, Melly Mel, Grandmaster Cass, Kumo mm -hmm. D, mm -hmm. a lot of cats in that first phase. You know, going into Rakim, Big Daddy Kane, mm -hmm. LL Cool J, you know, Cool G Rap. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And then you can go on and on to like, you know, Nas and, you know, Outkast and mm -hmm. cats that just took it, you know, you know, Ice Cube. I mean, Snoop, you know, these cats brought unique. I find Ice Cube be underrated. 
Well, you know, yeah, he could you know? be, but he's not underrated like in my book. You feel me? Yeah. But it's a very individualistic thing, you sure. know what I'm saying? Like no who doubt. you who's your top cat? Yeah. But different eras, I've seen different cats smash it, mm -hmm. you know. And then another era comes in and another cat, you know, is there. Yeah, man. You know? So what do you think about and especially lately, I've been seeing a lot in Instagram and in the different social media people talking about the record industry and the way it's ha handled hip hop and, and, and black artists of how, uh, like they were spitting out the NWAs. They were, they were good to spit that out, but they didn't want to really spit out the conscious rapping mm, back in the I day. Did you feel that? Online. No, I don't really agree with all of that. I just think that I think certain styles have changed and then, you know, it comes down to what the audience wants to buy. Correct. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. certain people had their moment when that was the, the thing. And I think some artists that are doing conscious stuff, they may not uh, have the the level that they had when they first broke through. Sure. But there's still an audience for that. And even more so now, I think, with the Internet, people have access to what they want to have access to. So I don't, I've seen these arguments where people try to say the record companies made this happen mm. and that happened. Now, there's a kind of music that's out now that a lot of people are into, which I have with, which is very problematic. It's called drill. Drill. Okay. Yeah. And drill is an interesting sound that is, uh, it initially comes out of London. This is recent. Okay. And then it, it's a whole uh, uh, section of it in Chicago. And then there's a section of it, like in New York, primarily mm -hmm. Brooklyn. Okay. Okay. And uh, unfortunately, it's too much talk about murder, murder, mm -hmm. and more murder mm -hmm. to the point where it's like, wait a minute, like, where are you going? Yeah, where are you going with so this? It's really problematic. More so than the ghetto boys? When you listen to Drill, you will see what I'm talking really? about. Really? Yeah. Um, if you know about what goes on in mm -hmm. Chicago, you know, yeah, it's, sure. it's yeah, really yeah. problematic. And that's a shame. And so I just saw something where um, um, they were talking about, like, the labels uh, should be, I don't, and I don't really know if any, what labels are specifically profiting sure. from that. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to release your own music and mm -hmm. things go viral, but um, that's really problematic. No doubt. Now, we're... What do you think about the record industry in general? Do um, you think it's in a good place? Because I don't I'm really hearing... think much about it because really it's not really about record companies it, as you they don't were traditionally. Anymore. They don't really, they're not really necessary really. So mm. if you really understand how the music game works, and I'm not in the music game, but I have friends. I think what, what Steve Stout is doing with United Masters mm -hmm. is a new, like there's digital, there's a digital way to do it now. Mm -hmm. So, but you have to be really savvy about sure. that. Sure. Okay. And, um, but there are young artists that understand how to manipulate sure. those digital channels and uh, those social platforms to get their music out. Labels, what they want to take and what it's worth, it's not really worth if you really understand how the business is structured. Sure, so, sure. So it's a very inequitable business. No doubt. Now, Five Five Freddy, uh, You've done everything, brother. Like literally. And no, you, it just seems that way. Trust well, me, okay, it seems that way. But your <laughs> bio says you've done got, just about everything. Yeah, no, Anything you still want to do? Anything out there you I'm, still want to be I do what for. I'm doing. I make film. Mm -hmm. There's other things coming. This uh, business that we created, this Be Noble thing, is is growing. Mm -hmm. um, we're just beginning. 
the potential for this is uh, sure. quite massive, and I'm really excited. Going to be creating more content around what we're doing with Be Noble. You know, oh. once again, the the concept of the brand is mm -hmm. we donate a percentage of what we earn mm -hmm. to organizations helping fix the harm caused by the war on primarily what ends up being people of color mm -hmm. for nonviolent cannabis. Which offenses. they said they would do, but they didn't do. Well, we're going to, you know, remind people that mm -hmm. this is a situation and the organizations that we're donating to in, in, in Florida, it's an organization called the Green Book Academy. We're going to be getting pushing the content about what these organizations are doing. Okay. In Massachusetts, we, we donate to an organization called Mass Cultivated, which is taking people that have been incarcerated, nonviolent cannabis and other kind of drug-related things, sure. and teaches them how to work in the cannabis space. So there's various organizations that are doing incredible work, mm -hmm. and we want to shine a light on them while creating fly content. Mm -hmm. And um, we've got a, a Grass is Greener a series in the works, mm -hmm. which is going to expand on what I did with the film and look at legacy players, you know, like Burner and Cookies sure, and yeah, other yeah, players yeah. from the real core of business getting into the legit market. Look at what's going on in Europe. Look at other musical connections to cannabis. Mm -hmm. Follow what's been going on with Bernard as the, the Be Noble brand yep. expands. So that's some of the what's on the agenda coming up. That's beautiful. It's been really great to hang out with you and meet you. Yeah, it's man. Really I mean, dope. I'm glad to have you at our digs. Yeah, and and here, here in Florida, we feel like we're coming up. We still have a lot of lot, long way to go. Mm -hmm. um, New York, when you, you're here in Florida, when you go to New York, people tell me it's a wild, wild west in, in New York as far as cannabis. How is it different in New York than it is here? Yeah, well, you know, we just... Uh, the legislation just passed uh, a, a couple of years ago, and now the regulations are coming in. In this one year, there have been a lot of people that just sprung up in the gray area, mm -hmm. and they've been just because they decriminalized, you know, gray they're not area. locking people up mm -hmm. from in jail. But now they're cracking down on all the illicit bootleg shops okay. because the first shops that have been licensed are now Correct. beginning to open. Mm -hmm. So the reason the government, you know, they let it happen is sure. to get some of that tax revenue. Sure. All those other places are not paying taxes. But it's great. The, the intent is good. We have a really progressive cannabis legislation in New York mm -hmm. um, with a specific intent to fix some of the harms caused. So the first people getting licenses, many mm -hmm. of them are people that have been impacted by it the, by the cannabis laws. Absolutely. and been, It's really remarkable mm -hmm. what's going on. So they're trying and just starting off to do the right thing. And sure. So it's looking good. Well, well good. Well, well hopefully we're heading in the right direction. Yeah. And for us here in Florida, we want to keep on doing what's right for, for our state to be heading in that right direction. Yeah. And, I mean, in New York, do they have people hitting up congressmen? I mean, does that even help these days, you think? It's, it's how we got the legislation that we have. It's a, it's, a, it's a long, protracted, chip away at it, like, struggle when mm -hmm. you think of it. Just in the time that my film came out like when my film came out when you see grass is greener i focus a lot on the fact that even in new york a lot of things i didn't know like mm -hmm. even though it was relatively decriminalized disproportionately people of color were the majority more than two-thirds yes. of the people being like arrested mm -hmm. people living in public housing were, were losing their right to public mm -hmm. housing the, the things that were really going on that i knew nothing about um that i talked about in the film and then this woman that's in the film, Cassandra Frederic, 
who at the time was the New York director of Drug Policy Alliance. She's now the national director. And what I didn't know, that she was the main lobbyist. So mm. I met these real people on the front line that sure. fought the fight. Um, been, uh, the other reason we have the cannabis legislation sure. in New York, and they've been really supportive of what we've been doing with Be Noble. They mm. came to the launch. Uh, Crystal People Stokes that authored the bill in New York mm -hmm. is the big support of our brand. So Absolutely. those are remarkable, fortunate support that we've gotten and just looking to build on that. Is Be Noble your brand? Is it your guys' brand? Or yeah, it, it was a that's something that I had the idea for, yeah. talking with Bernard. Like he said, when he came out of prison, mm -hmm. we stayed in constant contact. Mm -hmm. I had some ideas and we put some things together. And then we, when we pitched our idea, which mm -hmm. we had fully developed, Smart. we created our own packaging and everything. When we pitched it to Cureleaf, they mm -hmm. said, let's make a deal. Wow. And so just was really fortunate uh, that we got with a company that has the ability to put our brand in different states and support the cause mm -hmm. that we're giving back. And uh, that's where we are. Bro, you're the ultimate collaborator, my friend. It's been, yeah, we're trying to do the right thing. Yeah, we, uh, you trying to help it. Yeah, no question, baby, because we're trying to get this thing really big. No doubt about yeah, that. And get the word out. So well, it's time. Because, it you know, it's really hard to market cannabis, by the way. I mean, there's restrictions everywhere yes, on right. what you can do. Correct. You can't advertise. Keep in mind, this is a plant that has killed no one. Correct. But you can't. It's like you could understand that for, for, for liquor. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't. Liquor kills People can die from drinking too much a liquor. Lot, a lot of people. You drink too much, smoke too much weed, you mm -hmm. just go to sleep. Correct. You know, eventually. <laughs> so it's hard to promote cannabis, really. The, the avenues are mm -hmm. limited. So what we are fortunate is what we do is we tell the, the story of how Be Noble was created and what our intent is. And that's how we're marketing our mm -hmm. brand. People love to hear about our stories. I've been on MSNBC about four or five times sure. mm -hmm. with different people. And, uh, you know, I wrote, wrote an op-ed. I plan to write some more. And, um, you know. You stay busy. You like stay busy, Being here with you, getting that's to tell a, this story, baby. A, Somebody a, that really knows hip-hop and all this shit. That's it, That's man. what we're doing. But seriously, Curly stepped up in a crazy way. It's been a blessing rocking with them, you know. Especially here at The Grow. Like, mm -hmm. it was the most, like diverse grow and an amazing team here yeah. brothers with super smart mm -hmm. busting down like the biggest grow i've seen um really impressive mm -hmm. and that lady madonna strain baby that's what yo, i'm talking about yeah yo, that's the hitter no quitter y'all yeah, yeah. i like that be no that frosted motor breath the whole night yeah that curly yeah. well i tell you I, I tell you what so did so being you have a you have a, so you you develop the strain itself or you no no the we don't concept, have no nah, the concept we, yeah we have the concept of the brand okay um we're non plant touching okay so we're just like a brand we're just a dope idea beautiful that's working and partner with Cure Leaf and um, getting the word out and uh, yeah getting people fired up on this good weed that's beautiful while we tell this story well everybody head over to Cure Leaf and uh, get your be noble uh, two joints, and just remember, um, it's it is for a cause. It's going to a good cause. And remember what the cause is. And just you know, people. There's so many people that have gone to jail for a ridiculous yeah. amount of time yes. for such a little bit. Yeah, it's true. And there's there's a lot of people in prison right now. Right unfortunately, now, unfortunately, um, for situations similar to what Bernard has gone through. Sure. And it's it's something that that's why we're uh, constantly raising awareness. Um, anybody checking this out, 
uh, see what's going on in your state. Um, when you peep, it's super easy to just figure these things out, you know, what your cannabis laws are and let your local representatives know how you feel. It's important. And of course, when you vote, you know, have that as an issue because, you know, we're coming a long way. We're mm -hmm. really getting over a lot of hurdles. But there's still a long way to go. The people still in prison right now sure. for nonviolent cannabis offenses serving sentences like they gave mm -hmm. Bernard Noble. They need to be free and home. Agreed, 100%. Yeah. And 5-5 five, five Freddy, brother, you're an advocate. We need more people like you. Mm. Uh, this has been an honor. I'm not, this is real. Thanks, I mean, I've, I've interviewed really some amazing stuff. people. Like and, uh, Thank you. This, ah, is, uh, this is something cool. I'm going to tell my grandchildren about back in the oh, day. Man, if I ever so get cool. any. If I ever get any. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're in no rush. We're in no rush. <laughs> I hear you, man. Damn, no, that's that's real. Real. Thanks, thanks for having me, man. You're fly SOB, brother. We run out of here with this velvet painting of my Yeah, right. With the biggie. Watch you keep an eye on him before you don't run out of here with the biggie. Well, once again, big ups to Cure Leaf. For making this whole thing happen, go ahead out to Cure Leaf. It's all about choices, and I think they have the best customer service out there. Go check them, wonderful flower, the whole nine yards, and uh, go get you a, the, the, the B Noble joint. And uh, it's yeah, the stuff's and the then best. once you hit Cure Leaf and get and get some of that fire weed, yeah. hit that Netflix, pull up Grass is Greener, light up, yeah, and watch that movie. We're gonna <sighs> do that tonight. Everybody have a wonderful <laughs> night. Go out Straight there and smoke up. something delicious. Head over to Carolee. Thank you to Mitra 9. Everybody have a great time. Peace out, everybody.